Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. We are continuing to look at Psalm 69, which is chock full of lots of stuff, but especially chock full of Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Messianic prophecy, messianic imagery all over this psalm. Clearly, clearly. The scripture quotes it. I can't remember if when we were talking yesterday mentioned, I think this is like the third most quoted psalm. Did we mention that? We did did not. Did I tell you that? No. So yeah, it's the third most quoted. I think you've got Psalm 110, then Psalm 22, and then this one. Then this one? Okay. Third most quoted in the New Testament. Well, uh, then for all the listeners, perk up your ears and see if you can... uh, identify some of those New Testament quotations. And, and for I just I guess I have to say this for those who may not who may be tuning in today for the first time, I just want to remember that Jesus himself says that psalm that's about me. Yeah, he did. Yeah, John 15. We saw that yesterday. That's right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to be reading Psalm 69 today. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. To the chief musician set to the lilies, a psalm of David. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. O God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. Because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me, and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies, and do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table become a snare before them, and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened, so that they do not see, and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents. 
for they persecute the ones you have struck and talk of the grief of those you have wounded and add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull, which has horns and hooves. The humble shall see this and be glad. And you who seek God, your heart shall live. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and possess it. Also the descendants of his servant shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. Lots of references from the New Testament back to this. As you go through it, there's there's quotes, there's allusions, there's just pictures that, that seem to fit. This psalm... You can understand why the New Testament writers would use this psalm. Yes. As you have the picture of a person who is hated for no reason Mm -hmm. and who is uh, threatened with death. And, of course, Jesus himself faces death. Yeah. The waters come up to the neck. The pit closes over him. Uh, You've got the the feeding with vinegar and gall. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So so many of these things uh, that we find, it becomes a great picture. Well, and I, just to add to that, you know, we were talking yesterday about certain prophets in the Old Testament that this psalm applies to the idea of, well, Jeremiah was thrown in a pit. There was that episode. Mm-hmm. And Jonah was cast into the deep and the waters covered him. And there was that episode. And what I'm impressed with is in reading Psalm 69, there's actual several episodes in the life of Jesus that this psalm speaks to or prophesies or is quoted in relation to. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go back to Psalm 69 again and again. Yes. So we've got the ones at the crucifixion. Like the drinking vinegar, the gall. Yes, absolutely. We've got him talking, as we mentioned yesterday, about people hating without cause. Yeah. Which is him just talking about his ministry, his life, and then setting up the apostles for the way things are going to be for them, and even setting us up for for how things are going to be for us. There's one that's, that's, that's a really big one, and that's where he says, zeal for your house house will consume me or has consumed me. Very early in his ministry, uh, there is a cleansing of the temple, and John quotes that in the Gospel of John and the second chapter, and this is in relation to Psalm 69 and verse number 9. Yeah, so we've got in John chapter 2, that's where I'm looking at. Excuse Uh, me. Yeah, Psalm 69, 9. Yeah, verse 13, John 2, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers, overturned their tables, and he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Mm -hmm. So I think that's fascinating. As Jesus goes through this, the disciples at some point, either at that moment or at some point as they were rehearsing and remembering these events in Jesus' life, suddenly they said, oh, wait. I remember this statement in Psalm 69, zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus is fulfilling that and walking in that. He is, he's a parallel to that. And isn't that an amazing thing? Because Jesus steps up then to act in a way that is, I mean, just catches everyone off guard. Here is the religious leaders and the religious establishment and the way they go about their worship with these money changers and this whole industry that goes along with it. 
and the Lord casts them out, drives them out. Yes. Well, how do you even explain that? Well, oh, it was zeal. <laughs> it was zeal. <laughs> it was zeal. Yeah, and the Jews come along, and those of the council come along and say, by what authority do you do these kind of things? Mm-hmm. That's where the second time he does that, because yeah. this temple cleansing seems to happen twice as yeah. we piece together the various gospel accounts. And the second time, that they come along, and that's when Jesus says, well, look, i got a question for you first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the baptism of John from heaven or men. And they wouldn't answer. And so he said, well, then I'm not going to tell you by what authority. I'm doing these things. But the, yeah, they were, what, why are you doing this? Who do you think you are? Why do you get to do this? And the disciples said, oh, I know why he gets to do this. Because this is, this is who the Messiah is supposed to be. This is, this is what David was. Zeal for God's house consumed David, our great king of historical past. And so our, our true king, surely zeal for God's house is going to consume him as well. You know, as I continue reading in John 2, the account of this first cleansing of the temple, zeal for your house has eaten me up. There's our Psalm 69. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Mm. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. And that puts me in mind of this greater picture in Psalm 69, the recurring of, being down in the deep, being down in the pit, and then being delivered from it, that this becomes a resurrection prophecy in itself. Well, it's interesting as you keep reading on there and you bring up the what what's the sign. I you know, I had yeah. forgotten just for a brief moment what gets said there in John. I was like, oh yeah, it's the sign of Jonah. <laughs> so we're, we're tying these things together yeah. from other passage as as it come together. I, I get in that verse there, it's that it's bury the this and, and he'll, yeah. he'll rebuild the temple. And yet it's that similar thing used in, in various places throughout scripture. Yes. Zeal for your house has consumed me. The idea there is that because of his zeal for God's house, he is going to do things and has done things mm-hmm. that that sets that makes people uncomfortable. Uh, now, some folks here in Psalm 69 have actually accused him of sin, apparently of theft. Oh, what, the I, what I have stolen. Stole yeah, 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 in Psalm yeah, 69, yeah. they're they're actually accusing him of sin. But I think there's the idea that look, when a, when a person is zealous for God's house, when there is zeal for God's house, this idea of it consuming him means that he's going to behave in ways that folks who don't feel that way about God's house. They're going to look a little askance at that. I don't know about that. That's kind of weird. Don't you think you're being a little extreme here? Don't you think you're going a little too far with this? You know, all, all the folks in the world are going to look at those who have zeal for God's house, and we're going to do things that they would never do. And because of that, they are going to accuse us of things that we're not guilty of. Yeah, so kind of dovetailing with that, we see the uh, desire that the Holy Spirit has for the church that we all be zealous. Why in Titus 2 and verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, right there, I, I, it reminds me of what we were talking about yesterday in our conversation, uh, the opposite of the Christian and suffering as a Christian is murder, being a busybody, you know, those kinds of things. And here he's talking about what is it going to look like to be a Christian? Well, you're uh, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. You're going to live soberly and righteously and godly. 
Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Mm -hmm. Just as he is zealous for good works, zealous for the Father's business, zealous for the Father's house, so his people led and taught by the Spirit and by the grace of God that has appeared to all men, will be zealous for him and for his good works. As we move from David to Jesus to us, which which we were able to do yesterday in talking about this issue of being hated without cause, this issue of being zealous for God's house, I think about David. David was zealous for God's house in the sense that he wanted to build God's house. Very much so. And he made all this preparation for God's house. Maybe something was happening during that time that is not recorded in the history that, that prompted this. I don't know. We move to Jesus, and we see him as as he's seeing what's happened with the the Jewish observance and how they use the temple and what's going on in the temple, and it's very much like trading on the Sabbath. Yeah. Other passages, when we see the cleansings of the temple, refer back to Isaiah and Jeremiah. This is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Den of thieves. All right. So now to us, if we are going to be zealous for God's house, what is God's house For us today, are we talking about the church building? Well, I think we're talking about the church. I think we're talking about his people. That's the household of God or the family of God. And we ought to be zealous for that. And what would that look like? My zeal? Yeah, for for God's house. If we were going to be zealous for God's house and his household, what's that going to look like? Well, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I was just reading about Titus. I think it's going to show that we are uh, eager to do good works, that we are eager to live this life that uh, is about soberness and righteousness and godliness. Uh, it's going to be encouraging an expectation of the Lord's return and living in light of that. I recently read Joseph Hellerman's When the Church Was a Family, and he posits an interesting proposition that here in American Christianity, normally as we organize our lives, we say, look, here's how my life should be organized. God, family, church, country, everyone else. And everyone else. And he, as he talks about that in in this ancient time of the New Testament, that they saw church as the family, the church as the family. He said, really, we should organize our lives. God's family, my family, everyone else. Mm. And so that zeal for God's house, God's household says, I... That family, that's the family. Even Jesus, when his brothers come to him, and I know we don't have time to talk about that. Oh, I want to so bad, though. Yeah, well, I guess we'll get that maybe, maybe tomorrow. Maybe, maybe I hope we get to talk tomorrow. about reproaches. Maybe we can talk about it tomorrow. But, but the point being that when they come and say, we want to drag him off, he says, who's my brothers and sisters and, and who's my mother? mother? Those who do the will of my father. Yeah. That's my family. That's the house. All right, I know we got to wrap up. I'm sure we can talk more about that tomorrow. So I'm going to say a prayer here as we close. Holy God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his zeal for your house. And may we follow in his footsteps. Forgive us for times when we have only dabbled in good work and good deeds. Forgive us for times when we've only nominally been committed to your house and household. Help us to be full of zeal for good works for the building up of your temple in your house, for the support of those who make your temple in your house. And may we bring glory to you above all else. It's through your son Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. 
You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.